following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The year of Jubilee. Let's pray. Lord, as I speak the word you've put on my heart, I ask that sovereignly you will bring jubilee, thanksgiving, into our hearts. Thank you, mighty God. Would you now bring the coals off the altar, even as you did for Isaiah? And would you touch my lips? Would you touch the lips of each in this congregation? That, oh Lord, we would say, here am I, send me. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were coming out of the world. As they crossed into that desert, what they were really experiencing was an absolute trust in the Lord God of heaven. And of course, they did not trust the Lord God of heaven. And so the result was anguish, bitterness, complaining against God, saying, you're not enough, God. We want the quail. We want the chicken. We want the food of Egypt. You're not enough for us, God. And God would provide for them. And then in miraculous power, he would demonstrate once more that he loved them, that he would forgive them, and they would be continuing now their journey in the wilderness. Well, today, the world is to be to us like a wilderness, And our trust is totally on the Lord God of heaven. He's our source. It's called the well of salvation springing up. It's the well of the Holy Spirit rising up in our bellies, flowing out of us. And we sing that song about the water springing up and pouring out. Well, we come to the children of Israel as they walk through this wilderness the Lord begins to explain to them about the land that they're going to go possess. And of course, he gives them some bad news. He tells them, this is not going to be your land. This is my land. I own all of this land. I'm bringing you into it. And you're simply going to be my tenants. But I'm the owner of it. But I'm going to allow you, if you get into financial difficulty, to sell a portion of your land. Because I don't want any poor people in this land. And so he also made arrangements. He said, if you really become desperate, in other words, if you can no longer run your own business, you may sell yourself to another family And you may work for that family in their business. But then the day is going to come when I want you set free. And I want your land returned to your ancestral family. And that returning of property and that releasing from slavery was called 
Jubilee. Now, Jubilee occurred every 50 years. They were to count off 49 years, and the 50th year was to be a Jubilee year. In other words, everything would be restored to your family. The money would be restored to you. The slavery would be broken. You would be absolutely set free. You would be established once more in your own business. And the promise of God was that if you walked in obedience to him, he would bless you. You would have cattle bearing calves. You would have sheep bearing lambs. The wheat would grow. The the vineyard would produce and not drop its fruit early. We find this in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. I'll begin with verse 8. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the Day of Atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to his own property. And then he continues, but note verse 23. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. Throughout the country that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. As I read this account of Jubilee, my heart immediately began to rise up and I said, when is my Jubilee coming? When is my Jubilee coming? And I read again this story of Jubilee saying, Lord, where in this story of Jubilee is my Jubilee? And I've heard, oh, I've heard pastors, I've heard preachers, I've heard television and radio personalities trying to tell me that this year is the Jubilee year. And they always come with this year is the Jubilee year. Or you've got to wait till next year and that's Jubilee year. And God is going to restore everything to you and you're going to be blessed with finances and and you're going to be welcoming back. I've, I've gotten so sick of hearing about these jubilee years. I finally said, God, I don't want their jubilee. I want your jubilee. When is my jubilee coming? Well, he answered me. The word jubilee actually means sacred ram's horn. Sacred ram's horn. Now, there were two kinds of ram's horns. One was that blown by the common people. The other was the sacred ram's horn that was only blown by the priest to signify a very holy or special occasion or to summon the power of God for deliverance when an enemy attacked. 
This was the sacred ram's horn. Listen, verse 9. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. In other words, jubilee cannot take place without atonement. Jubilee is not just the setting of captives free. Jubilee is not just the restoring of the land to people who've lost it. Jubilee comes about because of the blowing of the sacred horn announcing Day of Atonement. So my release comes out of atonement, not out of humanism. My release does not come out of my working harder and smarter. My release comes out of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. The atonement for the children of Israel that came every 50 years, that was out of the blood of the Lamb slain. It was out of the blood sacrifice looking forward to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make. Now here's the problem. If I have it only every 50 years, that means I only get it once in my lifetime. Once in my lifetime. Well, I've used up my jubilee. I've used up my jubilee. If this jubilee only comes once in a lifetime, I'm in bad shape. No, I want to live in jubilee. I don't want jubilee to ever leave again. When I read in scripture about entering into the rest, Hebrews 3 and 4, I go back to creation. Every seventh day was a Sabbath day of rest. You realize that when Jesus Christ came from that day forward, every day was a Sabbath day of rest. And so we no longer work to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow because we live in the Sabbath rest of Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given unto you. Well, I wondered, is that also true of Jubilee? Do I live constantly in Jubilee? And if I live constantly in Jubilee, why am I such bondage? I mean, one of the tragedies that occurs is For a person to be free and believe they're still a slave. To believe they're in bondage, but to be in freedom. They will continue to think and act and walk as though they are in bondage. But the jail doors open. All they have to do is walk through. So it's very important to know whether or not your jubilee has already come and you missed it. Or whether every day is a jubilee for the Christian. To open that, we need to go to the New Testament. In the book of Luke, Jesus has gone into the wilderness in the fourth chapter. And in that wilderness, like the children of Israel, he is being tempted by the devil. And in that place, he quotes the scriptures to the devil. And the devil quotes the scriptures to Jesus. The devil is good at quoting the scripture. You've got to know the whole word of God, not a part. Now watch. He comes out of this wilderness. He returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. This is where his home was in Nazareth. And as he's making his way through Galilee, performing miracles, healing the sick, he is moving 
drawn by the Spirit to go home to Nazareth. We find in verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Now, they'd already heard about him and he was already becoming noticed. And he was noticed here. They honored him by asking him to please do the reading of the scriptures. And so they went to the cupboard and they brought out the scriptures And they handed the scriptures to him, and he unrolled them. And this is what he read. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, jubilee. Now, it was not jubilee. And the Jewish people are saying, what is he reading that to us for? It's not the year of jubilee. But he's saying, I'm coming announcing this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is jubilee. He rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant. And he sits down in the seat of Moses. And he begins to speak. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It was like an electric shock went through that congregation. Here is their neighbor announcing that the year of Jubilee has come when it's not the year of Jubilee. He is taking the messianic promise that they all understand, and he's saying the Messiah has come. What they all understood was that the messianic age was to be brought in by the Messiah, and the messianic age was to be perpetual jubilee. And now they understood what Jesus was saying, and they were deeply offended by what he said. We find in Matthew 13, 54 to 57, don't turn there, But in that passage, you may want to jot it down. We're told about this same story that they took offense at Jesus. They were offended by what he said. They were so offended, they tried to kill him. Because they were not willing to step into a perpetual year of Jubilee. Frankly, it would cost them too much money. They couldn't afford to give the land back. They couldn't afford to release their slaves. And so it split that group right down the middle. Those who were in slavery said, bring it on. Those who'd lost their property said, I want my property back. Jesus said, this is the year of Jubilee. When the word of God comes, it always brings that line. It separates right down the middle. Depending on which side you're on, this is the year of Jubilee, he said. This is when everyone will be released. And he knows he's speaking out of his atonement. Jubilee only comes out of atonement. And that brings us to another passage of scripture found in the book of Matthew, the 8th chapter. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Jesus has to move out of Nazareth. He no longer keeps a place 
or a home there. He now is moving to Capernaum. And he begins to minister with the new disciples that are joining him. He goes to Peter's house and and Peter's mother is there and he heals her. He heals a man with leprosy. He heals a centurion's servant or son. And then when evening came in verse 16, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Now let's be very clear. Jesus came announcing the day of Jubilee that would be perpetual, would be never ending from that day forward. There's a jubilee that's been announced where that sin power is broken in my life and I become clean by the blood of Jesus and the continual thought of my mind and my heart can be given to Jesus. It no longer needs to be given to darkness. I don't have to walk in that adultery and feel guilty and always be confessing that adultery or that pornography. James Dobson, Focus on the Family, says that over 50% of all evangelical men are involved in pornography. Well, does the blood of Jesus just cover them and it has no power to set them free from pornography? I can't believe that. I believe the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to break off every heart the sin that binds. That atoning blood was sufficient to set the captive free. Not make-believe set free, but really set free. Where's the joy of walking in sin and saying, I love Jesus, but I'm a, I'm a captive of sin. And Jesus just has to understand, this is who I am. I just do the best I can do and That sounds like flesh dressed up in Christian clothes. That doesn't sound like Christ. Now, I know it's attractive over here because when I'm over on this side, according to Dr. Stanley, I can have Jesus and I can have my sin too. I can have Jesus and I can have my sin too. And all I'm going to lose is a little fellowship with God. He teaches this constantly. But you see, over on this side, Jesus says, I'll set you free. You don't have to walk in that sin anymore. You can be covered by the blood, and the blood will not just be on the outside. The blood will penetrate every pore of your body. And you will be washed. And you will be free indeed. Of course, that raises the question, do you really want to be free? Do you really want to be free? Or do you want to have your sin in Jesus too? We always adapt or adopt the theology that fits what we want. And I have to tell you, I want to be free. I'm recognizing that my life is moving forward 
I only have a set number of years to be on this earth. I won't be here 50 years from today. I'm going to be gone. There was a time when I could say 50 years from now, I'm going to be a pastor and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to be doing the work of God. And 50 years from today, I'm going to be, but by the grace of God taking me to heaven, I'm going to pass through the portal of death. My life here is over. As I recognize that day coming, I don't want to play with the devil. Every time I look at the devil and his ways, I see uncleanness. I see violence. I see trickery. I see heartache. I see separation. I see loneliness. I see want. And every time I look over at Jesus, I see purity. I see love and mercy and grace. I see no double-mindedness. I see no violence. I see no trickery. I want to walk in this cleanness of the Spirit by the blood of Jesus. I don't want to walk in the darkness. It's become putrid to my taste. The more I have of Jesus, the more I want of Jesus the more I have of the devil, the less I want of the devil. And the year of Jubilee is announced by Jesus, and he's saying there's no longer any reason for any of you to walk in the bondage of sin. But now I want to take this a step further. The scripture says, verse 17, This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. In other words, Jubilee releases us from sin, but it also releases us from sickness. It releases us. It restores us. It gives us what was taken by the devil. But I want you to look with me at this passage of Scripture that's being quoted here in the book of Isaiah. It's in Isaiah 53. Remember, Isaiah was speaking about the Lord coming into the temple. And he was high and lifted up. And when he repented, he said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. The angel came to him and touched his lips, and atonement took place, the scriptures say. Atonement took place. And his first response after receiving atonement was to say, Here I am, I'll go. I'm ready to serve you now, Jesus. In other words, the first response of our heart when we've received atonement or jubilee is to say, Lord, I'll walk with you now. I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll speak what you want me to speak. What should I say? And immediately he spoke a word about Israel being cut off, sent into captivity. 
and there was a stump left in the land. And out of that stump, a branch was going to come up. And now Isaiah speaks in 53, chapter 53. Who believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. That's how Jesus came forth. The children of Israel at that time were just a stump in the ground, dry, legalistic, no Holy Spirit power in bondage, needing jubilee. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In other words, he, Jesus came out of this ground, this dry ground. He didn't come as the man. He didn't come as a charismatic charlatan. He came as a worker, a carpenter, a stonemason probably. There wasn't anything in his appearance that you would look at him and say, Wow! Look at that man. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering or familiar with disease, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, you're not going to understand this today unless you're willing to recognize how important it is for you to be esteemed by others. Unless you can recognize how important it is for you to be thought well of. To have other people smile on you and say, there's a good person. To have people look at you and say, hey, there's a righteous man. And we feel good about that. And we say, you don't know the half of it. I'm somebody you better contend with here. Because I'm the, I'm the man. We say it by the cars we drive. We say it by the clothes we wear. We say it by the attitude of our heart. We say, we're somebody. Now, Jesus came and he did not present himself as somebody. Instead, it says in verse 4, surely he took up our infirmities, it says in the NIV. In the Greek, it says disease and sickness. Disease and sickness. And he carried our sorrow, it says in the NIV. In the Greek, the actual word that's being used is pain. He took up our diseases and sicknesses and carried our pain. What area in your life are you able to go into the prayer closet about and see a change in the physical realm? Now, I ask this because most Christians today are not in a relationship with the Lord God of heaven that would allow them to go into the prayer closet and pray and change what happens in the physical realm. The measure of your standing with God is your ability to change the physical realm by saying nothing and doing nothing 
except going into your prayer closet. Now, we've spoken of this a number of times before. As you gain authority in a specific area, the Lord will answer your prayers about that issue because you've been tested, you've been tried, and you have prayed through on that issue. Now, some of us have begun to pray through in specific issues regarding some addiction or some sin that's in our life. And and we've come far enough to know that if we'll go into the prayer closet and we'll stay there, the power of that specific individual sin can be broken from our lives. A lust for food, a lust for drugs, a lust for sex, a lust for recognition, any of the sins that we have to deal with can be broken. We've learned that in this congregation by going into the prayer closet and staying there on our face, reading the word, claiming the promise until that thing is broken. And at this point, the congregation has grown spiritually, most of you to the place where you have the authority now to go in before the Lord regarding your sin and have its power broken over your life. And I praise God for that victory. That's an area where many of you, however, are still struggling because there are areas in your life that you know are sin and you still have not gained the victory over that area. That's why it's so important for you to hear today, Jubilee has been announced by Jesus and victory over all sin. The provision is there. The provision is there to break every sin in your life. The atonement provides healing of sin and sickness. That's what the word says. Surely he took up our infirmities or our diseases and sicknesses and carried our pain. That's 53 verse 4. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Oh, now wait. Do you notice? He dealt first with sickness, and then he's dealing with our transgressions, our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, brought us peace. That's jubilee. That's provision. And by his wounds, we are healed. In other words, Isaiah is saying that provision has been made in the heavenly realm for the breaking of the power of sin, transgressions from our life, and also provision has equally been made for the breaking of sickness from our lives. That provision has been made for both areas. Now that causes me to turn to another scripture. I want you to see this in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So once more, the scriptures are saying that provision was made to bear our sins away. 
Now, let me go into an area just touching it briefly, and then later we're going to go in much more depth. On the Day of Atonement, two goats were chosen. One was the Lord's goat, and that goat was offered as a blood sacrifice. And that part of the offering was looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ as he would make provision for our sins to be forgiven. But there was a second part of that atonement process on the Day of Atonement. And that second part of the process was a second goat that was chosen that was called scapegoat. And this scapegoat had the hands of the priests laid upon him and all of the sins confessed upon that goat. And that goat was then led out of the city, bearing the sins of God's people. And he was taken out to a wilderness place, and in that place he was left. Jewish tradition has it that he was pushed over the edge of a cliff. He died in the wilderness. In other words, when we speak about atonement, we have to understand atonement has two parts to it. One is the provision for sin to be forgiven. The second is the expiation of that sin, to use the technical term or a common word, to carry our sin away from us, to bear our sins so that we no longer carry them. You see, this other side over here, they want to say that we must continue to carry our sins all the days of our life. That's to deny the scapegoat function on the Day of Atonement in the type spoken of in Atonement of Scapegoat. The scapegoat was the one who came and bore our sins away, carrying our sins away. They were not left with their sins. They were borne away. They were carried away. And so when Jesus went out of the city, they took him outside the city, out of the camp. He was bearing our sins. Now, for atonement to be effectual, there has to be the provision for the atonement, and then there has to be the actual fulfillment of the atonement. And so all of you would say, yes, I believe that Jesus has forgiven my sin. But do you believe that Jesus also carried your sins away? Or are you still left with your sins and you just have to keep getting them forgiven? See, the scapegoat teaches us that the sins were carried away. They were carried out of the camp. Now, likewise, many of you would say, I believe that Jesus can heal. I'm going to tell you, the church in America has not learned to walk in the freedom of jubilee atonement. We've not learned to walk with the forgiveness and removal of our sins, and we've not learned to walk with the removal of our sickness. And the Lord is asking us to do both. Now, there's another passage of Scripture that we need to also look at. It's in Acts, the 10th chapter, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. 
because God was with him. In other words, he's saying that sickness is an oppression of the devil and that we can be set free from this oppression of the devil. Sin is also an oppression of the devil. Sin and sickness go hand in hand. Pastor, are you saying that we should all be healed? Yes. Yes. That's what the scripture teaches. Will we all be healed? No. Why? I don't know. But it's not because there's a lack of provision in the blood of Jesus Christ. The problem is not on his side, it's on my side. Why is it that a young woman will pray and pray and ask God to deliver her from drugs? And God doesn't deliver her from drugs. And she goes back to her old way. How is that possible? I thought there was deliverance in Jesus for all sin. Yes, but there's another part we have to look at. I'm so miserable, let's say, because I'm being afflicted by this disease. And what I really want is just to be freed of this disease so I can continue living my normal life. Jesus is not interested in healing that kind of sickness. How many times I've talked with a brother or sister who says, I've got to be free of this drug habit. Why? Because it's destroying my family. It's it's causing me to not be able to do the things I want to be able to do. My life is a mess. I've got to get my life straightened out so I can do what I need to do to be happy. Hey, is Jesus going to step into that deal? No. He's looking for a people who will sell out to him. He's looking for a people who will say, Jesus, I'm going to pray through and I'm going to trust you. No matter what happens here, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my finances. No matter what happens with my finances, I'm going to trust you here. I'm going to know that you are in charge. And regardless of what happens here, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to light my own torches. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. Even if it looks like it's bringing me financial ruin, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. If I can't break the power of this anger that rises up in my heart, take it to Jesus. I'm going to stay before you, Jesus, until this anger is totally broken in my life. Because I want to serve you and I can't serve you in my anger. I can't serve you in bitterness of heart. And so I'm going to stay on my face before God. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with me on this issue until it is totally broken in my heart and in my life. Until the year of Jubilee is applied and it's my experience and I walk in it with boldness and with power. And now when sickness comes, I'm going to go to the Lord God of heaven, and I'm going to say, Lord God, this is the issue I'm dealing with. I know that in your atoning blood, full healing is provided here. What do you want me to do? And he may say, I want you to go see Dr. So-and-so. Am I going to then say, but God, 
I thought you'd heal me. No, I'm going to let God be God. And if he says, I'm supposed to go see Dr. So-and-so, I'm on my way to see Dr. So-and-so, and then I'm coming back into the prayer closet, and I'm going to say, I obeyed you, I did what you told me to do. Now I stand by faith that you're going to do what you've promised me in Jubilee. You are going to heal me. It doesn't matter to me what means you use. You can use Dr. So-and-so. You can use anything you choose to use. What I believe is that I'm going to be healed by your power, and I'm going to stand by faith for that healing. I'm not going to waver in that. I'm going to walk by faith in obedience because my heart is to be consumed by Jesus Christ, to be at one with Jesus. Do you remember the word atonement? means to be in a harmonious relationship with. And it's used in the scriptures as it refers to removing those obstacles to a harmonious relationship. And so what are the obstacles in your heart to a harmonious relationship with Jesus Christ? And when it comes to finances, what are the obstacles in your heart to a harmonious relationship with God. That's what he wants to deal with. He's already made the provision. The question is, will you allow him to bear away your sickness and your sin? The provision is there, but now he wants to bear it away. And he wants to release you into Jubilee 24 by 7. Will you allow him to do that? See, the call of God on our hearts is to belong totally to Jesus. To not walk in our own ways, to not walk in the flesh, but to walk by the Spirit. The call of Jesus is not to be happy. The call of Jesus is not to be sad. The call of Jesus is not to be successful. The call of Jesus is not to be somebody. The call of Jesus is to be like Jesus to be filled with his spirit, to walk in accord with him in harmonious relationship day after day after day. And always when he comes to us, his first issue seems to be, will you lay that aside? Yes or no? Will you lay that aside? Will you let go of that? Yes or no? Will you come and spend time with me? Yes or no? Will you submit to me? Will you submit to me with your kids? Will you submit to me with your wife and husband? Will you submit to me with your job? Will you submit to me with your money? Will you submit to me in your health, in your eating? Will you submit to me? That's always the question Jesus comes asking. And he always comes first saying, will you lay that aside because that's not submitted to me? Will you lay that aside? He always says no before he says yes. Will you submit to him? Galatians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to close with this passage. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then he lists this whole laundry list of things that are not of the Spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Today, I want you to focus your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because at that cross, atonement provision was made for you and me. Jubilee was announced. And then Jubilee was paid for. It's not enough to just announce Jubilee. You have to pay for it then. And Jesus paid for Jubilee on the cross. That you and I could live perpetually in Jubilee. That's what's called in Scripture the rest of God. To cease from our own labors and rest in Him. It's not enough to simply pay for Jubilee we then have to take a hold of Jubilee. We have to appropriate Jubilee to our hearts and let Jesus carry our sickness and our sins outside the camp. He's done that for us. But we have to say yes. So the question I want to raise for us as we conclude today, have you said yes? Have you said yes? Or have you said, maybe? Sometime I will and sometime I won't. Have you made room for your sin in your heart? Or have you been merciless with your sin? Have you cut it off? Are you still holding on to those darling things close to your heart and saying, hey, I can have Jesus in my sin too? Many people, many people are going to say, I love Jesus. I'm saved. And they're going to find themselves in hell. Hell will be full of Christians. Full of Christians. You remember during the days of Jesus, Many thousands followed him. But when he said you have to eat this broken body and drink this blood, they left him. They no longer followed him. I hope you hear today that that same choice is still here for you. Either to walk away and say this is too hard. The word is too hard. Or to say, I have to be free. I have to be free. 
I have to be free. I have to be healed in my spirit and in my body. I have to be free. Jubilee has to be my actual experience. I'm not willing to just hear about it anymore. I'm not willing to come and listen to it being talked about anymore. I have to have it as my experience. I have to walk in freedom or it's not enough for me. There is not any sin that binds you today that cannot be broken off by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no sin you've committed today that cannot be forgiven by Jesus. He is willing and eager to forgive you. But you have to make the decision. You're going to walk with Jesus. Oh Lord, this is a valley of decision right now where your children have to make this ultimate decision. Lord, the bodies of the Israelites were scattered over the desert. Lord, they died in that desert. They never entered the promised land because they were unwilling to lay aside their unbelief and their sin. Lord, let this be Jubilee Day. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, his glory.